Hello, and welcome to Never a Dull Moment, a talk show and podcast for angels and founders. Ziad of Boston Harbor Angels, his co-hosts, and his guests have fun discussing and debating all topics from the world of startups and entrepreneurship. Hey, Andy, how are you? Doing great, Ziad. Before we start, I know you wanted to make a disclaimer. Go ahead. I just wanted to say that no legal advice is being offered on this podcast. If, if people want to seek legal advice, they should talk to their lawyer um, and get advice for the specific situation uh, that's at hand for them. All right. So let's start. Okay. We're back to a new episode. Hi, Andy. Good to have you back. Good morning. Nice to be yeah. back. How are <laughs> Good. You? How are you? I, uh, How's your week it, been? <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember, remind everybody, especially if you're listening to us in the future, this was the week SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, failed. So let's put it this way. It was dramatic. But we're not talking about that. Never, unless you want to. No. Never, <laughs> yeah. never a dull moment, yes. right? Hopefully those are good. Hopefully in the future it'll be good never a dull moment rather than yeah. those types of crises. Yeah, so far <laughs> it's been one never, yeah. one bad never a dull <laughs> moment. <laughs> so, okay. So he, let me set the, the context here. Lately, we, I've been getting complaints or questions. It's like we don't hear back from founders. They don't send information. And that brought up the discussion about information rights and what information should investors receive. And there is the legal obligations, the formal obligations, the informal, and just good practice. So let me just jump in with a simple question and to help, maybe you can guide us through it. What are information rights? Well, listen, thanks again for inviting me, Zia, to talk to you and uh, your listeners from coast to coast. Um, this is an interesting topic. Um, information rights. Uh, it is a right to receive information uh, from another source. In this case, uh, the right of an investor to receive information from the company that they invested in. Okay. So, obviously, the next question is, who defines that information and what do we mean by information? Yeah, those, those are good questions. You know, information rights um, fall into two, I guess, two categories, and then we can dig a little bit deeper. Um, you know, but the, the category that I think we're talking about mostly here are a contractual right to receive information. So it has to be written in some contract. And the right to information uh, is usually fairly specific, meaning that the information rights provision, if you will, wherever it may exist in one contract or another, usually states you know, pretty specifically what types of information the, the investor has a right to receive. The other type of information rights, which I don't think we'll talk about too much during this podcast, is you know under state law you know state law does give uh investors or stockholders i should say not necessarily all investors but stockholders uh a right to uh some information from the company but those rights are much different they usually have to be requested by the stockholder for a legitimate business purpose 
and uh, the information that they receive upon such request is somewhat limited and it's not regular. You have to request it. So we're really talking about information rights under a contract with the company that you with, invest with in. the company. And yeah, if you bring the attention to information rights, it means things are not that good, right? You're it's best practice, best investor relations for a founder to just update their investors of what's going on, right? Like you don't invoke the information rights clause unless things are are in trouble or or not. Well, hopefully you don't have to. I mean, usually, you know, you're raising another good point, Ziad. <laughs> um, you know, first of all, there are information rights, and then there are three other types of rights that investors can receive in their documentation that are different than information rights, but there are there is some overlap in those other rights. And we could talk about what those rights are in a couple minutes. Uh, but you are correct that with the information rights, you hope that the company just abides by them and that so you don't have to ask uh, for them, but rather you're just getting them. So uh, you're just receiving the information that you have a contractual right to. Uh, now, you're, you're correct that some companies will provide investors with updates irrespective of whether they're contractually obligated to do so. They might give quarterly updates or an, certainly an annual update, but some companies won't. So you want to have information rights as an investor so that you do have some right to receive the information. As a, as a backup, if you feel that you're not satisfied <clears throat> excuse me, with the information. So is it bad news? If you ask for information and you don't receive it, or you don't receive any information every quarter, or not necessarily, not necessarily, and it also depends on the um, on the on the company and sort of the the, the types of investment uh, on the company. If it's growing very quickly, or maybe if it's very small, I mean, sometimes the entrepreneurs don't have time to give. Uh, quarterly updates, um, even though you'd want them to, whether or not you have a right to them. Um, it's not always bad news. You know, and information rights clauses in agreements, and we could talk about where they typically are and what types of agreements uh, contain them. Um, so oh, well, let's talk about this for two seconds. Uh, yeah. Can you have information rights in a convertible note? You can. Uh, but, you know, you often don't. Exactly. I mean, the information rights provision is usually in uh, a stockholder's agreement for smaller companies where you might have a family-owned business. Or if you invest in equity, it's often in an investor rights agreement or some other agreement that's similar to that. And usually with debt or a safe, there are no information rights in those types of documentation. But you can you can't insert. Okay. And I mean, we tell in founders all the time, don't just update investors when you need money. It's, it's good practice to have a good relationship with investors so they know what's going on and can and know if a round is coming. Uh, it is not purely a financial update, correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Usually a, a company will provide some sort of quarterly update. I mean, ideally you want to get have them 
get in touch with their stockholders every quarter, maybe 45 days, 30 to 45 days after quarter, just to give them a business update, let them know how they're doing. There could be some financial information in there about how sales are going, uh, what the prospects are, where, where the business is shifting, if any, new hires, things like that. A business update. It doesn't have to be so technical. But you're, you're absolutely correct. When you get those types of updates, investors feel well-informed and they're less likely to be asking questions because when you get no information, you know, people get nervous. They want to know what the heck is going on here. And usually they imagine bad things rather than good <laughs> yeah. things, right? So, yeah. so it, it, behoo it behooves the, um, the, the founder and the executive team at the, at the company to actually provide this information. Every quarter. Um, yes. And every, well, I, I think every quarter, yes. Uh, or touch base or, um, and, and by information. So there was once a saying that says, if your update is full of words, it's not so good. If your update is full of numbers, it's great. Um, is the, is the point of information rights basically oversight on the use of funds or is it more than that? I think it's it can serve different purposes depending on the investor. It, it's usually not oversight unless it's combined with one of the other rights that we could talk about as well. Uh, it, it's really just to stay informed. Now, some investors that are funds, they have to receive information in order to report to their their investors, their limited partners. So there are if you're a fund, I mean, you need some of them need to get information on a quarterly and certainly on an annual basis so they could uh, provide some sort of valuation analysis that they do internally or provide some update to their investors that they're obligated to provide. Okay. So what are those other rights that you're talking about? Uh, well, the, the other rights are um, management rights, which is a bit of a misnomer, but we could talk about those, um, inspection rights, and observer rights. Oh, all those rights have give give the uh, investor some access to information for different purposes. Management rights uh, provide that an investor or a representative of an investor can actually meet with management on a periodic basis to actually review information and have an audience with them and discuss how the business is going. It doesn't necessarily give them right to periodic information like information rights do, although it may, um, but it really just gives them access to management. It's not that they can make decisions. They can't tell management what to do, but it gives them a right to have a discussion with the senior executives. Those are management rights. I like rights. that. And then what did you say? Observer rights? Well, observer rights, as I'm sure you're aware of, give an investor or a group of investors a right to have someone appointed to observe, attend and observe as a participant uh, meetings of the board of directors. They typically can't, uh, as I say, as a participant, but not really as a participant, they can, as an observer uh, to board meetings. They're not necessarily allowed to participate in the board meeting, but they're allowed to observe. And importantly, it gives them a right to receive all the materials that the board receives. So that part of it gives the observer um, access to a lot of information. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean, in fact, it doesn't mean that the observer can share that information with the 
the people that uh, he or she is representing um, because it's, some of it may be confidential. So uh, an observer has to be careful about the information that they might share with the investors that they And represent. they cannot vote, so they can pound on the table as they, they say. They cannot vote. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes they can't even pound on the table. <laughs> I mean, it depends on how these uh, how these are written. I mean, once you're there, I've been at plenty of board meetings where there are observers, and observers typically feel free to speak up. But a lot of them, uh, the rights are specific, that they're there to observe. Some of them specifically say they can't participate. Um, they can't uh, chime in, if you will. They're really just there to observe. But in 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 practice, many of them do speak. Uh, you know, if they have something to so say. So on on that, but you're 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 correct. They can't, but they can't. Uh, on on that topic. So if I'm an investor, not if I am, but and I want to ask, how's a company? Uh, I don't hear from a company, so I want to ask the company how they're doing, or give me information, or. Do I go to the founder CEO or do I go to a board member that I know? Well, this is sort of this is not really a legal question, right? This is just if you're, you know, an investor and you want some information. I would go to I would probably go to the person that you're closest with. Uh, but I would it would be preferable if you went to the uh, an executive officer, I believe, rather than a, a board member. But you know, if the board member is the person you know, you can go to the board member, although they, they, they're also restricted as to what they can share. Because you. you can put them in a tough so, spot, right? Because they cannot tell you things are bad. They're, they're, they're conflicted. They're, they're bound by confidentiality. So you're better off going to the CEO who, who has an obligation to the investors. Um, yes. You know, one of the things that a, a information rights provision has, which is, helpful for both parties is that it typically requires the investor to abide by confidentiality provisions. That is an, an information rights provision provision is coupled with a confidentiality obligation. So the company feels a little bit more free to share the information uh, because it should be comforted that the investor will keep it confidential and is obligated to do so. Interesting. So if you don't have an information rights provision and you ask for information, I mean, the company may say, well, you know, this is confidential. And, uh, you know, you could say, well, look, I'll keep it confidential. It's not difficult to draft or provide some obligation of confidentiality. But that's that is an important consideration. OK, so we talked about information rights coupled with management rights, observer rights. Did you say there was one more? There is one more, and uh, that's inspection rights. And that is a right to actually go to the company and inspect its books and records. Um, and it's usually books and records related to your investment. So it could mean the um, governing documents, articles, bylaws, perhaps the stock, stock books, maybe some financial records, but it gives you, the investor, a right to actually go to the company and do an inspection. Those are typically provided to more venture capital investors rather than angel investors. Uh, but it is a, you know, it is a right that people have. Um, some investors have, and it's written into the, uh, usually the investor rights agreement. And then on the other side of all this, you have trust. If you trust the founder, 
you don't need, you might have all these, but you trust that they're going to do a good job. They're going to listen. They're going to update. They're going to be responsible and how they use their funds. Um, and that's why keeping a good relationship with founders is, is, and that's my opinion, is more important than any legal documents um, because great founders do what they're supposed to. Um, are yeah. all these in the de facto in a term sheet? They, uh, yes. Information rights should typically be in a term sheet. In fact, some term sheets specify what information the investor would be entitled to receive under the information rights provision. And information rights provisions can, can require different levels of information. Some are more detailed and involve more than just say uh, annual financial statements. Some may require you know quarterly financial statements. Some may require a monthly check-in, or I've even seen some information rights that require a bi-weekly flash report of on sales. So you can get fairly detailed into what what types of information are included in an information rights provision, but certainly, at least generally, there should be some reference to information rights in an investor term sheet. Sometimes, um, as companies raise money, uh, you know, information rights may be provided to some of the early investors, but as the company completes successive rounds of financing, oftentimes the information rights are limited to, quote, major investors, end quote. And major investors are often a defined term. Um, and, it, you know, it's it, what the term implies, like investors that invest above a certain threshold. And oftentimes the early investors that may actually have contractual information rights initially may lose them, <laughs> may lose those contractual rights as the company raises a series A, B, C, D round of financing. And then you're relying on, you know, what we started this conversation talking about, uh, you know, the practices, the good practices of the founder and the, and the executive team to provide periodic updates, usually on a quarterly. So basis. when you lose your information rights, do you get a note that says, sorry, we're... <laughs> We we need to let you know your information rights are now waived, or it's just part of the new round when you sign the the uh, the the consents of the new round. It's built in, and then we move on. Yeah, that's exactly right. You sign the consents of the new round, and usually you uh, you are bound by a new agreement. Sometimes you have to sign the new agreement. Sometimes you don't even have to sign the new agreement because the threshold to amend your existing agreement is achieved. Uh, and, and you may just receive, oh, by the way, this is the new agreement. And lo and behold, information rights are limited to major investors. Okay. And then, so one topic for the next episode, but I'll bring it up now, fiduciary responsibility. The whole point is to have oversight to make sure the CEO does not overspend or do something bad. You have a board that has fiduciary responsibility to do checks and balances on that management team, correct? So investors can say, okay, I can sleep. There's a board. Uh, yes, the board does have fiduciary responsibility to the, to the stakeholders of the corporation, principally the stockholders. And uh, you're right, they should be reviewing things, but you know, 
they're protected by the business judgment rule. I mean, just because you have a board reviewing things, it doesn't always work out. I mean, look at look at the Silicon Valley <laughs> Bank where they made some serious yeah, yeah, management yeah. errors. And and these were, I'm sure, very experienced people. So it does happen all the time. Uh, but it, it you you want to have a, a board that you trust that is independent of management so that it, it really does provide a good check on um on oversight of okay. the of the management okay. team. I think this is a whole discussion board and fiduciary responsibility, maybe for next time. Thank you, Andy. As usual, people know you, but if you'd like to introduce yourself again, feel free. Sure. Andrew Myers. I'm a partner at Davis Mom, which is a firm in Boston. Uh, I've been a business lawyer for 30 years. I've been a partner there for about 20, a little over 25. And I work with entrepreneurs, boards of directors, uh, investors, um, mostly in uh, tech and tech light businesses, but really, really any type of business. So um, I, I enjoy my practice. Can you say you've seen it all or not yet? You never know. I've seen a lot. I can tell you that. I've seen a lot. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. See you soon. Great to be with you. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Never a Dull Moment. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And don't forget to rate and review us. Until next time, have a great day.